0: Uh, I decided to, uh, decided to start a topic, uh, address a topic that's a bit off the beaten path uh, of, of what we would uh, typically cover. It's not one that we tend to cover often. Like I told you, I don't know how many years ago, when I gave a, a message on health, food, and nutrition. Uh, I told you that I wouldn't talk about that subject for at least another 14 years. Uh, well, this, this is a subject that I don't think I've ever addressed in a sermon, I, that I've ever uh, given a sermon that deals with this uh, specific topic entirely. I, I really enjoyed studying it. Uh, it's a subject that's fascinated many over the centuries. It's uh, one that's fascinated me. Many have offered theories uh, about it. Uh, on, on the purpose and or the significance of this facet of life. And uh, quite a few continue to, to look at it to this day to try to determine uh, what's really going on. I can recall several sci-fi movies <laughs> about uh, this particular topic and maybe some will come to mind uh, for you as well. Brethren have reached out to the ministry about uh, this topic uh, from time to time with questions. Uh, And I've been asked uh, several questions about this on on several occasions as they've been troubled uh, or or at least uh, perplexed by this in their lives. I found myself uh, perplexed and troubled at times uh, by this in my life. Today we're going to discuss the topic of dreaming, of dreaming, dreaming as in when we're asleep and not awake these these things that go on these stories these these uh, things that play out in our minds the thoughts the mental images the interactions with others the experiences that take place during the time uh, the period of time when we are sleeping do you dream do you dream there, there's a condition where individuals, uh, a certain physical condition where they're unable, people are unable to dream. I don't know if anybody here has that condition, but uh, do you dream? Do you remember your dreams? Can you recall dreams that troubled you? Dreams that perplexed you? Dreams that encouraged you? Dreams that scared you to death? Dreams that made you laugh uncontrollably. I've had dreams that have made me laugh uncontrollably and I wake up and it's the middle of the night and I'm thinking, this is kind of embarrassing. I am, I am laughing so hard that it wakes me up and uh, why did that happen? Dreams that gave you an insight uh, or, or maybe dreams that actually helped you as you think about the dream, solve a problem uh, that you've been struggling with Some brethren have asked me this question as well. I haven't haven't asked other ministers uh, this, if they've been asked this as well, but they've asked the question, is it possible for me to sin in my sleep through a dream? Is that possible? Or or as I dream? Let's turn to Psalm 139. Some of you are ahead of me when I mention this this psalm, but I I think this is a a great place to start to to address the subject of, of dreaming today. Psalm 139, we realize that we are created in the image of God. This great being, God the Father who created all things through Jesus Christ, Fashioned us and and made us in his image. He created us. He created our minds. He, as we as we know with the spirit in man, uh, gives us this this mind power that differentiates us uh, from the animals. But there's this whole subject of dreaming. God, who is the creator, uh, can we not say that God created us in such a way that we are to dream? What, what, what is the significance of, of dreaming? Is there a significance in dreaming? Let's look at Psalm 139, as I mentioned. Psalm 139, and let's uh, just read through uh, portions of this, at least initially, to start. O Eternal, verse 1, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down, you know my rising up, you understand my thought afar of off, you comprehend my path and my lying down. And are acquainted with all my ways. But there's not a word that's on my tongue. But behold, O Eternal, you knew it altogether. You know it all together. You have hedged me or, or uh, enclosed me behind and, and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go to get away from, from your, your presence? How can I flee or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the grave in, in uh, hell, sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to you. Speaking of of the creator, he says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb, or as the margin renders, you wove me in my mother's womb. I'll praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me, which as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I think a, I think a bigger question for us with this whole subject of, of dreams is for us as followers of Jesus Christ, you know, we ask, why did God create us? in such a way that we dream in our sleep. If we're unconscious, uh, what, why, would he, why would he do that? As we just read, he knows us through and through. As we asked, is there significance in about what we dream? Have you ever thought about that? Do you often wonder that? I, I've wondered that at times. I'd like to delve into that a bit today. From a biblical perspective, let's, let's consider what significance can uh, dreams play in our lives as Christians. What significance do dreams play in our lives as Christians? What significance might dreams play in our lives as Christians? And, and even this, uh, what significance will dreams play in the lives or our lives as, as Christians. I'd like to talk about a few things before we get into the, the essence of what God's Word says on this subject. It's actually, we, th- we see dreams through and through uh, covered throughout the Bible. We'll talk about a, a few of those, but I'd like to just uh, address a few aspects of what science is 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 discovering about dreams still so much is unknown and and to try to as as they they try to discuss what could be going on in dreams of course the their whole concept of what's going on in the mind the functions of the mind versus what we would understand with the spirit in man and the the differentiation between uh, the brain itself and and the spirit in man and mind and and, and all of that but they've they've found certain things they've they 've hypothesized they 've theorized uh, as we 've mentioned it 's been discussed down through the the centuries about what could be going on with dreams, but they 've found uh, when, when dreams tend to occur, they tend to occur in what they call the the rapid eye movement stage uh, phase the the REM stage of of uh of sleeping where you know the the eyes uh, the person is asleep and the eyes are just going back and forth and and moving all around very very uh very quickly now uh they used to think or used to be talked about that the the rapid eye movement stage was phase was when dreams occurred that was the time that dreams occurred and and since then and with all the, the the tests and uh, things that they're able to do as they as they can even visually see whether a person is in that stage or not, they found that also uh, a, a person can dream outside of that uh, rapid eye movement phase in, in other uh, phases of dreaming. But they often liken this whole rapid eye movement in a sense of what's uh, of what's going on in the brain, that the brain it appears to be, uh, it's like a person is watching a movie and, and Visual and images, mental images, are flashing constantly, and, and the mind is, is processing all of those things as they're as they're coming to them, and and they say that this these this phase of uh, cumulatively the rapid eye movement stage uh, phase of, of sleeping. Could occur as much as, uh, as long as, when you cumulatively have the different times of the rapid eye movement uh, phase throughout a person's eight-hour sleep, say, uh, could be uh, up to even 90 minutes of, of a person being in this phase uh, every night, uh, and and in that, they uh, they said what's what's as they've been able to test the brain, they see that different components of the brain are activated more than other components. The The prefrontal cortex, I guess, is that part in the front where it's mainly used the brain to, uh, to think rationally, to decipher uh, situations and process uh, what, whatever uh, things that they're trying, you know, the think, the concentration, all of those kinds of uh, things take place primarily in that prefrontal uh, cortex well during the the rapid eye movement stage that area tends to kind of be dialed down it's not exist it's not a non-existent situation but it's but it's dialed down in terms of the degree to which the 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 dream that dream phase is is tapping into that what is tapped into is the amygdala the amygdala, the amygdala and the hippocampus, but the amygdala, of course, is the emotion center of the brain, where all you know, the emotions are are stored and experienced. So that is that's like in full full force during this uh, rapid eye movement stage. And and some some think that that may be uh, why a person can have the strangest, most bizarre kind of dream, like you know what whatever, they're uh, standing upside down in the sky and, and experiencing something where if, if they were tapped fully into their prefrontal uh, cortex, they would realize this is, this is not right here, this, something's wrong with this, 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 is not, this is not making sense, versus... Tapping into the emotional sense, where it could be all kinds of different experiences that are that are coming into the mind, but the emotion of of, of an experience is really being uh, focused upon. So, uh, you know, some some think that this whole situation of dreaming—you've probably heard this. This is, isn't new, to, I, I think, to any of us. But some think that it's the mind's way. This whole process of dreaming that it's the mind's way of processing the various emotionally impactful experiences that we've had in that day or, or previously, or, or even farther back. But it, it, taking all that, be they, be they good situations or challenging, but, but very emotionally impactful, uh, that, that then the mind is trying to process that all and sorting, in a sense sorting through that at the end of the day. Uh, Strong emotions like, uh, say, feeling inadequate in in, in our conscious state where we're interacting with others and we have a couple of situations where we feel incredibly uh, inadequate in in a certain situation, maybe intense stress over an upcoming project or presentation or uh, something where it's kind of all coming down upon us and we're really concerned that we're going to be able to really pull this thing off like we should maybe a deep hurt, maybe something happened that was deeply emotionally uh, painful uh, that we experienced uh, that day. It could be a strong, powerful embarrassment that we experienced after doing, doing something, uh, something we've said or, or done. But these, these strong emotional responses that we've had from the previous day or even farther back, uh, may play out, uh, play, tend to play out in, in a dream. In fact, one article uh, talked about uh, certain studies that have been able to correlate or, or linked certain mental disorders with uh, that person's lack of, of, of having, of, as they've monitored that person's sleep patterns, the lack of that person having uh, sufficient REM kinds of sleep where, where that kind of thing happens, where they're thinking that for some reason that may uh, impact to varying degrees uh, a, a, a situation that ends up being a mental disorder. Uh, how many of you have had uh, recurring dreams where you dream it and dream it again? Just not a few. Uh, how many have had uh, recurring themes in your dreams, I've 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 had that as well. You know, uh, of course, the Freudian kind of discussion on that was that there's something unresolved in our lives uh, that that needs this needs to to happen, uh, or it's telling us that there's something unresolved. Uh, yeah, again, do do we know one way or the other? I I know that we have recurring dreams. I, I many many of us do, uh, and and often it's a for me, it's often a super stressor situation uh, that that happens. Uh, it, you know, some some will talk about this one where it's some, a person has a big test coming up. It could be a major test after college, it, you know, praxis or or this or that to to uh, get into the next stage or some huge thing. And then uh, right before the right before the test, they'll have this this dream that okay, I. I I woke up and my test is in five minutes and I'm on the other side of the campus and I I don't think I can get there in time. And then they they race over and then they realize they don't really have most of their clothes on as they're getting there. And they're trying to grab leaves and put them on there as they're racing. And then they get to the building and they can't get in the building to take the test. And then they're trying to work their way to get in the building, finally get into the building. And then all of a sudden they can't get into the room. They can't find the room. Then they find the room, the door's locked. They get in finally and they sit down. It's, It's 10 minutes into the test and the person lets them take the test but then they realize I don't have a pencil. I don't have, I have a pen. I can't write anything. And then they finally get that, and then they're looking at the paper, and they can't decipher it. They can't see it. Uh, why can't why can I not see the paper? But, you know. And then you wake up, and it's just, oh, what is going on? But a lot of times, you know they'll, they'll, they think that it's because there is an incredibly stressful thing uh, that is ahead of them. And as you, those of you that have read into some of these things, they, they, they've often said that, Typically, if you have that kind of dream, that means you are incredibly prepared. Uh, The danger is if you're about to have a a huge test and you're just, that's the night that you're flying through the air and everything is wonderful and I'm in charge of everything, they said that's usually when you're probably not prepared and it's going to be a really bad situation. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I've had the, the situation, I think I may have told you this before, just a An aside, but I have this recurring dream on the golf course where I, and I haven't played golf, I haven't played golf, I think, since. Pre-COVID, but uh, I, I've got my I've got the ball. Uh, well, first I can't find the ball. Then I find the golf ball in my bag. I'm just digging through my bag, and, and then the other guys are waiting for me to tee off. I can't find can't find the ball. I finally get the ball. Then I can't find a tee to, upon which to place the ball, and and then I'm looking for broken tees, and I find a, lo- a larger broken tee on the on the tee box, and I grab that, and then I try to stick it in the ground, and the ground's too hard. I cannot stick it in the ground. It keeps bending. And then I finally get it on the ground. I go to get my golf club and my driver. My club's not there. Where, where did, I must have left it back on the other tee. I can't go back and get that. And I'm trying to think, what do I do next? What do I do next? And then I just, I get another club. I stand up. And then the tee box where I'm standing is uneven. And I, what in the world? I'm Off. I can't swing. I'm going to uh, shank it this way. So then I think, okay, I can, I, rules allow me to move the ball at least two club heads behind the two tees. Uh, T markers, so I I move it back, and get it to where it's fairly even, and I line up on the club and start to take my backswing, and then there's this branch, this big branch, so I can't take the club back. It's that kind of thing that that I have. Do any of you have dreams like that? Not, not the golf dream does any am I the only one who has, who has had dreams like that where it just things get worse and worse. Uh, so you know they say that it, it could be something incredibly stressful that we're about uh, to experience. Another element, and this will be the last thing that we discuss before we get into scripture, but another element that they talk about are what's called lucid dreaming, where actually and the, the, the thought is, and this is from an article at WebMD by uh, Chris Martin's, uh, the thought is, is that individuals, uh, especially with uh, larger than, than normal prefrontal cortexes, tend to have lucid dreams. Lucid, being, lucid dreams are when you know that you're dreaming while you're asleep. How, how many of you have had that where you know you're dreaming while you're asleep? Uh, you have gigantor prefrontal cortexes. Uh, No, who knows. Uh, They say that normally everybody at some point in his or her life has that kind of a dream where we're actually lucid. And there's all kinds of research, all kinds of uh, hypotheses about about lucid dreaming and, and how that might help to where you can, you actually are aware that you're dreaming and you can actually control the dream and all, all this kind of stuff. But, but what, what about dreaming? What, what impact or, or what significance does dreaming have with respect to us as Christians? I'm not suggesting that we uh, all of a sudden, you know, begin trying to do research to see if we can uh, become much more lucid dreamers, Uh, but, uh, but some folks do experience it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator. Dreaming is a part of the human existence. Let's take a look from God's Word and see what we can learn. Does God use dreams to communicate? to us at times. Ooh, you know, that, that's kind of an interesting question. Is Burnett gonna get over into uh, some strange, uh, strange territory here? I, I don't think I am. <laughs> Talk to me later if I did. But Anyway, uh, what, what does scripture say about this? D- does God sometimes use dreams to communicate? And if so, how and why? Let's put dreams first in perspective. Let's go to Acts 10. Acts 10. Let's put dreams in perspective with other forms of communication by God to individuals in Scripture. We see this first one. This is the, we won't go through the details of it, but this is the the Stephen the Stephen uh, situation. This is, uh, in a sense, not a dream in that he's fallen asleep. Uh, he's fallen asleep and is unconscious. Uh, as, as, far as, as far as we can tell, this appears to be uh, something else. Let's look here. Acts 10, verse 9. Acts 10, verse 9, this is the, the whole uh, story of, of seeing the animals on the sheet in the, in the sky. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour so around noon around lunchtime he became very hungry and wanted to eat but while they made ready he fell into a trance and then he saw heaven opened and 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 then he begins to be in communication he's interacting in this in this situation a uh, a voice Calls out in verse 13, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord. Uh, I've, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Of course, we hear the, the explanation of that. Let's go to uh, Acts 11, Acts 11, verse 2. So we have the whole situation of, of the, those in Judea in the church that were contending uh, with him of, of the circumcision about the gentiles coming into the faith coming into the body of Christ. Peter says, uh, I was verse verse 5, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance, I saw a vision. So he he's he's praying, he's awake, he's conscious, conscious. God puts him in a trance and then he sees this vision. Uh, and this is a way that God is directly communicating with him. And then from that, he begins. He realizes the the meaning of that, especially as uh, all that happens as well with uh, with Cornelius and with the with the individuals uh, also involved in this. And he says, "Let's go to it." Uh, so. Verse 10 of chapter 11, now, now this was done three times, and, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men uh, stood before the house where I was, having been sent for me from Caesarea. And then the Spirit told me, he was guided and directed by the Spirit, moved to do this, to to, to do this, to go with them, uh, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me. We went into the man's house, and, and he says, as I... Uh, Verse 14, who, who will tell you words by which we, which you and all your household will be saved? And as I began to speak, God's Spirit fell upon them as the beginning. And I remembered the words of, of, uh, of uh, John, indeed, how, you know, baptized with water, but you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. All these uh, came to fruition, and he realized, verse 18, they realized as well, when they, when they heard these things, they became silent. They glorified God, saying, then God has granted the Gentiles repentance. And it came through, in this case, he was in a, praying, awake, and, a, and then it put in a trance, and then a vision happened, and this was a direct communication with God, explaining what a, a truism that was coming to pass with, with the church Uh, We also see uh, visions, uh, you know, the Ezekiel 37 vision of of the dry bones, the visions of of revelation. John is awake. John is in the spirit as as John is seeing all that he's seeing and interacting with uh, various uh, individuals in the spirit realm. He's conscious through this this while this is happening. Let's look at another uh, method of God communicating in Numbers 24. Numbers twenty four. Numbers twenty four. Verse one. Numbers twenty four. Verse one. This is the story of Balaam. This is we're jumping into the middle of the story. Uh, he was hired, of course, to by Balak the king to to curse Israel. Uh, he, he was a person who was a sorcerer who was involved in the the dark side, uh, demonic world and and had insights, and was sought by others, and received payment to, to do, and in this case, to curse Israel. And, and he would have done so, first, but, but uh, God deterred him. And look, look what another form of communication here. Verse 1, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Eternal to bless Israel, he did not go, as at other times, to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face toward the wilderness, and Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Here's another form of communication. Uh, God's Spirit came upon him. doesn't say that God's Spirit came in him, as uh, as we see with the prophets in, 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 in Peter's writings, where it says the Spirit of Christ which was in them, uh, the prophets, but the Spirit of God came upon him. And, and yet, notice what it says next in verse 3. He then took up his oracle and said, now, was it, was it that Balaam is, is, God's Spirit comes upon him, and then he's not in control of what he's doing, and he's just, he's just starts saying things, and he doesn't even, oh, now he wakes up. No, he, he was awake. God's Spirit came upon him. And, and notice what, how he says this. He says, he took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, uh, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. So God's spirit comes upon him and God through this allows him to see this vision. His eyes are wide open as he's doing this, and he then proclaims uh, what's going on. Not only does he see the vision, but he has the uh, ability, if I can say this, he makes the choice to say what God has told him to say. He chose to do that. Uh, and and, uh, and as a result, he he lays this out. Again, this is an individual that's not converted. This is an individual who wasn't following God's uh, God's ways. And 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 as we see in other places, he never did follow God's ways. But he God used him, and he allowed him to use him, and then spoke these things as God uh, placed His Holy Spirit upon him to to proclaim what God wanted done. There's another method that I want to talk about to keep dreams in perspective, which we're going to hit here in just a second, and that's in Numbers 12. We covered this recently, but I think this is another important thing for us to consider, to keep keep dreams in the context in which we should keep them. Um, Numbers 12, verse verse five, Of course, Miriam and Aaron had spoken against Moses with this Ethiopian woman he had married. Uh, God was not pleased with what they had done and their approach and their attitude. Verse 5, the Eternal came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle. And he called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. And he said, hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Eternal, make myself known to him in a vision. God does that sometimes he works works through visions. he says, uh, <clears throat> he said, "I speak to him in a dream, sometimes he works through dreams, but not so with my servant Moses. Moses, he is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, clearly, plainly." Uh, not, uh, and not in dark sayings or as uh, the margin renders, not in riddles, not in something that, how do I interpret this? How do I figure this out? He says, I speak to Moses face to face. Think about that statement with respect to us. Think about that respect, uh, with respect to Hebrews 12, which we'll turn to briefly right now. We as as God's people are part of God's house. We are part of his habitation. We are able, uh, because of the sacrifice of Christ and because that, that that person who committed that sacrifice, gave that sacrifice, sits as the high priest, allows us, creates the opportunity for God to choose to allow us to dwell in his house. We come before the presence of God. Uh, Hebrews, think about what we just read with how God spoke to Moses and how God speaks to his people now, how God speaks to you and me verse 22 chapter 12 but you have come to mount zion in the city of the living god you've come to the heavenly jerusalem to an innumerable comp- company of angels to the general assembly uh, of the church of the fir- church of the firstborn the ones who are registered in heaven you've come to god the judge of all to the spirits of just men made perfect you've come to jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of abel verse 25 see that you do not refuse him who speaks we we are as part of the house of God able to dwell in the house of God and God speaks to us God speaks to us in a sense face to face as we open up our our, the Bible his words and read his words as he as he speaks to us as we speak to Him in our prayers, we are in that situation. God wants us, as as the the author of Hebrews tells us, God wants us to be thinking in that mode of this is what's going on in our interaction with God. This is this is where it's at, so to speak. This is the communication that we're seeing. Who's he said? See that you uh, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from Him who speaks from heaven to us, whose voice then shook. The, the earth, and now he's promised, saying, "Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also uh, heaven." So we are to serve God uh, acceptably with reverence and fear. I, I say those things because I want us to keep that in perspective. We, the the critical piece here, dreams dreams are an element, but the critical piece of how we interact. And communicate with God in that sense is face to face, as as we uh, interact with Him in our prayers and, and in our studies with Him. So that said, uh, in referencing Numbers twelve, uh, dreams have been used by God at times and will be used by God uh, to communicate at times with mankind. How can we say that? Is that scriptural? Well, we've got stories of, let's, let's turn to, to one example of that. I, this may be the very first example of a dream. I think Mr. Hogberg uh, covered this a while back. Uh, let's go to Genesis 20, the story of, of uh, Abraham, Sarah, and Abimelech. Genesis 20, we have, this is, all, all surrounds a dream. Abraham, verse 1 of chapter 20, Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt uh, between Kadesh. Uh, I think that's referencing Kadesh Barnea down in the, the, down in the south, southwestern part of, of, of Israel. Uh, sure, and stayed in Gerar. Uh, now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And <laughs> Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night. So Abimelech is asleep, He's fast asleep, and God comes to him and and speaks to him while he's dreaming. He says, Indeed, you're a dead man because of the woman whom you've taken, for she is a man's wife. Abimelech had not come near her. He said, "Lord, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, She's my sister? And she even, she herself said, He's my brother, in the integrity of my heart as he's interacting with God in this dream, in the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I, I have done this. God said to him in a dream, yes, yes, I know you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also, God in, in his dream is telling him what he's done. God says, I also withheld you from sinning uh, from against me, uh, against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife this this person, Abraham, for he is a prophet and he'll pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So it says he woke up the next morning and thought, you know what, I wonder, that seemed like a bizarre dream. I kind of wonder, yeah, where is that woman? I'm going to marry her now. No, he he realized from that, that, that was uh, an event that uh, the, uh, the God of the universe had had interacted with him and, and told him to do this. So they were freaking out as it uh, as uh, that's the Hebrew uh, there of chapter eight, uh, verse eight. They were freaking out, uh, no, but it's uh, they, they were very much afraid. verse nine and Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? Have I offended you that you've brought on me the, the, this this uh, this great sin? You've done deeds to me that ought not to be done And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you have in view that you've that that you've done this thing Abraham said uh, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place and and they'll kill me on account of my wife because she, she is actually my sister uh, she's the daughter of my father but not the daughter of my mother and and she became my wife verse 13 and it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house uh, you know he created an opportunity for him to, uh, to find this person and marry uh, this person. Verse 14, Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham, and he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, uh, See, my land is before you. Dwell wherever you want, wherever it pleases you. And then to Sarah, Abimelech says, I've, I've given, Behold, I've given your brother, a little bit of sarcasm there, uh, behold, uh, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this, this clears everything be- between us. Uh, and thus she was rebuked, or thus she was justified as the margin renders. And Abraham prayed to God. God healed Abimelech, his wife, and, and his female servants that they bore children. And uh, God had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech uh, because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So he restored that, but the, the point is is that God interacted with this person in a dream, and the person realized immediately, Abimelech did, that this was from God. So many stories uh, in the Bible about that. Uh, we've got the story of Joseph, a really fascinating story of his interactions in dreams uh, prior to uh, when he was about to put Mary away uh, for, for being pregnant. But was interacted with in dreams, in, in these kinds of situations, both in Joseph's situation and, uh, and also in Abraham's uh, Abimelech situation, this wasn't a dark saying or a riddle. How, how can I figure, figure out uh, what is going on here? What do I need to interpret uh, to, to determine uh, what is what? Is what? Uh, other dreams uh, which we won't turn uh, to which we won't turn also give clear interpretations uh, of, of immediately what needed to be done uh, the dream of a man uh, that was uh, near gideon when gideon was about to uh, when the armies were assembled against him about a loaf rolling down into a tent and knocking a tent over uh, immediately uh, when he when he heard that he knew what the answer was God was going to be with them. Solomon's dream about, what do you want, Solomon? What, what will you ask for? And, and Solomon uh, was dreaming during that time. Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, which Daniel interpreted. Uh, Pilate's wife that was wondering uh, that uh, as Pilate was about to deal with Christ, you remember that? He was about to deal with Christ. And his wife came and said, I had a dream today, and it said, do not have anything to do with this man, Pilate. This is is not going to go well for us. Separate yourself from this situation. Well, many dreams are are listed, but there are these uh, things sometimes of the dark sayings of, of dreams to which it's not necessarily clear uh, about whats what 's going on, and, and is there meaning in that for us let 's look at uh, genesis thirty seven and we 'll just briefly touch on this, as most of us are very familiar with this story. But Joseph has these dreams. He has the first dream about the, uh, the sheaves of wheat, and the eleven sheaves bow down before his uh, sheaf of, of wheat. I think it was wheat, maybe it was barley. But then uh, Genesis 37, let's pick up the story. So that was one, and they were ticked off because they thought, okay, yeah, we see the interpretation of this. This is, this is something where you're saying you're going to be above us. Is that what you're telling us? Uh, verse eight, uh, actually verse nine, then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And, and this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you dream? Shall your mother and I, the sun and the moon uh, in, represented in the dream, uh, shall your mother and I, your brothers indeed, uh, the other stars, the 11 stars, come down uh, and bow down to the earth before you? His brothers envied him before, because of that. Notice the end of verse 11, though. But his father kept the matter in mind, it intrigued him. He thought, I, "Does it really mean this? What are you, what are you talking about, saying all this?" But, but he kept it in mind. Wonder about Joseph as Joseph was then uh, delivered into slavery and went, had the highs and lows of of serving uh, high up in Potiphar's household, only to be cast in prison. And then uh, being able to interpret the dreams of the, uh, of the baker and the butler. And, and then nothing happening. And then all of a sudden to uh, find himself before Pharaoh and interpreting a dream, giving credit to God for uh, opening uh, the, the meaning of that dream. And then to see later, let's go to uh, Genesis Genesis uh, 42.9. Genesis 42, 9. I, I don't know. I don't know if, he, if, if Joseph kept that dream in his heart or if he had forgotten all about it. It says that, that Jacob had kept it in his heart jo, uh, after Joseph had been through all that he had gone through. Here he then sees his brothers uh, coming. Genesis 42, verse 9. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them but he acted as uh, as though a stranger verse seven and uh, they did not recognize him verse 9 then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them then he went through a series of things that he did uh, in in order ultimately to uh, reveal himself and then and then care for them but but you wonder on a th- on a dream like that it, it it seemed to appear this at the time, but then it's, it's gone from his mind. He's not thinking about it. He's, he's going through all these other things, and then boom, it comes to pass. So it could have been a, a, a dark saying. It would have made sense, obviously, to, to all of them as, as it finally comes to fruition. Well, what about uh, the future? Acts 2. Let's go to Acts 2. Acts 2, which is a reference to Joel 2. Acts 2, here are these individuals, God's Spirit comes upon them. They're preaching the truths of of God, the the understanding of of all that that has happened and what's what's forming here in in the church about to form. And it says here in verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said, Men of Judea, uh, heed my words. These people aren't drunk. They're, they're, they are they are speaking the truth. It's it's early in the morning. They wouldn't have been hitting the bottle hard or the wineskin hard at 9 a.m. Uh, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. We know that that is... Uh, the, the church represents the, the beginning of that, that, that first fruits harvest beginning after Christ, who is the first fruits, uh, is, is offered up to God. That I'll pour out my uh, spirit on all flesh uh, the, and that ultimately that the fruition comes through the fall holy days through Christ's return and then the millennium and the great white throne judgment. But I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy the inspired speaking of, of, God's, of God's way of life. Uh, not necessarily a public speaking here, but, but being able to speak forth of the, the teachings uh, of God, the, the, the truths of God. Uh, your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So the, there is an element to this that, of, and when, when we think about prophecy, visions, and dreams, they're they're talking about ways of communicating with man that, that God will do through through His Spirit. And on verse 18, and on men servants, and and on my maidservants, I'll pour out My Spirit in those days. I'll do wonders in heaven, and talking about things leading up to uh, the return of Christ, and then afterwards it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. As we think about this element of dreams, and we get into some of the details uh, moving into the latter part of the message now, uh, one, one thing that we need to be careful about as well uh, is is the element of, of false dreams the the Bible talks about that Zechariah 10 discusses it uh, Jeremiah 23 discusses it it talks about uh, false prophets that speak according to the the dictates of their heart that they uh, they they dream false dreams and share that but it's it, it's God says I didn't do that I didn't give that to them and and they'll they'll pay the consequences of doing so. Let's do look at this passage in Deuteronomy thirteen. Uh, we've got to be always very aware of of some of the, the dangers of the situations of, of dreams. So it's one thing, it's one thing to say, okay, I see this in Scripture and, and God says to do this, and then I either do it or I don't do do it. It's another thing when a person begins to to tell, I, I've had this vision, or I, I've seen this. How do we know that this person has has seen that or that this is something that that is of God? We know that as we near the return of Christ and all that's going to take place with that uh that little horn that represents the false church and ultimately has the one individual who is giving power to the beast through the signs and the wonders i wouldn't be surprised if if this this false prophet that is at the end is is not only able as we know to call fire down from heaven but that may even have visions. That may have uh, the ability to say what's going to happen. That may even have dreams, <laughs> and and those dreams come to pass. Uh, such uh, such deception that will be out there, and people will say, "How can you deny it? Look, he said this. He is in this position, and 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 look at how the world is is round uh, is. Uh, surrounding him and, and supporting him and, and how this power is growing and, and the, the strength of, of, of these nations that are gathering. Uh, could this be what we need to really turn things around? And yet at the same time, here we are. If, if we will be present during that time seeing these things. And how do we discern between these events that this person may dream, these visions that the person talks about that that come to pass, the, the ability to call fire down from heaven with great signs and lying wonders. So then we see this truth that uh, of which most of us are aware, but it's, it's, it's very, very critical. If there arises, verse, thir- uh, verse 1 of chapter 13, if there arises among you a prophet or... Notice that next statement, a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you. So he, he, he dreams something, and it comes to pass. But then in the course of that, you listen to, to what, how he draws the conclusions from that, and then where he strives to lead uh, individuals. Let us go after other gods, which you've not known. Let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Here it is. For the Lord, your, the, the eternal your God is testing you. He's testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him. Keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he's spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in, in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. Here, here was ancient Israel where they were a civil government and God set them up as a nation to have laws and statutes to run as a nation. That, that is evil. Put that person to death. This uh, false prophet will be put to death as he's thrown in the lake of fire as, as Roman uh, Revelation 19 tells us. But we, we must always as we see the things going around bring it back to what is stated here in Deuteronomy 13. Okay, so what about our dreams? When we have a dream, is it, is it permissible, I ask, uh, uh, do you think it's permissible for us to ponder it, to ponder the dream we've just had, to wonder about it, to even maybe directly ask God, God, are, are you through your spirit uh, trying to, or, or are you giving me some kind of an insight into something are you revealing something to me, maybe, maybe about my character, maybe about uh, 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 an an area of my life that I need to work through this metaphor, through this this jumbling of different things that I'm process, processing? My mind is sending me that, that. Could you be teaching me something through this, or or is this my mind just trying to process the emotions of of, of the day? Uh, is it a bunch of random memories just jumbled together? I believe, I believe that several factors may be in play with the dreams that we have. I think we can all agree upon this, that our dreams are impacted by our experiences. Are they not? I mean, time I'm, I'm, most times I'm able, if I remember a dream, I think back on that dream and, and I, I am able to tie that to certain experiences. Our dreams are impacted by our experiences. Our dreams are impacted by our thoughts, by our actions. Our dreams are impacted by others' actions towards us, and how those, these factors affect us emotionally during our waking hours. Again, I think, I think nearly all, if not all of us, have experienced that in a dream that, that we've had. So, so in that, I think several factors are, are there or several guidelines are there to keep us in mind. Remember, God, God created us to dream. Uh, that, that's part of this life, this experience of life. What, what's the meaning uh, to that? Uh, so let's, let's factor these. One, we won't turn there. It's a familiar passage, Philippians 4.8. Uh, Philippians 4.8, whatever things are good, honest, uh, of good report, uh, uh, of any value and merit, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but think on these things. Think about the good things. Think about the, the kinds of, uh, of things that are godly and right and of good report. Because our, our dreams are impacted by our experiences, uh, it goes to follow then if we fill our minds in, in a concerted effort with the things that are good and honest and of good report, all of those things, uh, that will impact our dreams. Uh, secondly, if we fill our minds with junk, if we fill our minds with filth, if we fill our minds with powers of darkness, with images uh, that are not of the things that are Philippians 4 8. Do you think do you think that would play a part in our dreams? I think it, it absolutely it plays a part in our dreams. God 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 holds us accountable for what we do in the daytime. In fact, because in the things that we do in the daytime, the things upon which we think, the the things upon which we allow ourselves to view or choose to view impact our minds. It it impacts our, our minds as our minds are processing kinds of things. So I, I, we come back to that question of can we sin in our dreams? I, I, I don't know that I can answer that. I, I, I can say that we can sin in the daytime and fill our minds with, with trash and filth and those kinds of things, wrong thoughts, staying in like the works of the flesh, uh, of envy, and, and, and greed, and, and, and uh, wrath, and, and these kinds of things, and dwelling on that. And that impacts, uh, our, that impacts our, our dreams. That impacts the kinds of things in, that, that go on in our dreams. I mean, anybody can tell you that if you're going to watch demonic horror movies and fill your minds with that, if, if we're going to watch things like that, that's going to impact things. Satan the devil also has the ability to work in that realm and can. We want God to protect our minds. We fear God. We do not fear Satan. But we, but in fearing God, we, we worship God and we follow God and we think on good things. And then, then we don't have to, to worry about those those other kinds of areas. The second thing is, is I, I think that dreams uh, we can use dreams to examine ourselves I, I found that often and I'll talk about that here in just a second as we wrap up but this this thing of pulling back from if we've had a dream that we've we've remembered uh, to, to reflect on that why did I dream that what could be what could have been going on uh, from the previous day that impacted me in this way uh, and 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 again, for me, oftentimes, I look upon, maybe it came from a, a really, really strong emotional experience, <laughs> maybe something where I really messed up, really embarrassed over something I did, or or maybe I acted out of pride, or maybe I acted out of this way or or that, and and it shows up in a dream, and I wake up from that, and as a result, I'm reflecting on what I did during that day that was off. And and I, I look at it uh, uh, as, yeah, maybe it is just a, a bunch of jumbled things processing through the night but but could it be that God is maybe helping me to see something and he did so through a through a dream so that I can thirdly bring every thought in my waking hours into the captivity and obedience of Christ with that said let's look at a couple of passages in Job three passages to go to finish here Satan was allowed to get at Job in a variety of ways. Job, in his frustration, uh, reached out in his uh, complaint to God. Amazing that he was able to, to navigate through the what he navigated. Uh, he had things to learn, and God in his love and mercy and care for Job helped him through that. But this is one of the low points of Job. Job uh, actually uh, goes comes close to, if not directly, accusing God for, for, for doing this to him. Job 7, verse 11. Therefore, Job says, I'm not going to restrain my mouth. I'm going to speak in the anguish of my spirit. I'm going to complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I a sea or a sea serpent that you set a guard over me? When, you say, when I say, at least my bed will comfort me at night, my couch will ease my complaint. Then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions. Uh, so that my soul chooses strangling and death rather than uh, than my body. I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone, for my days are but a breath. What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? How long will you not look away from me and let, let me alone till I swallow my saliva? Have I sinned? What, what, what have I done to you, O watcher of men? Why have you set me as your target so that I'm a burden to myself? Uh, for now I will lie down in the dust and you'll seek me diligently, but I will no longer be. He's, in a sense, saying God is, is troubling him uh, through his dreams. We know that as God, God allowed Satan to do what he was going to do but spare his life. Uh, I submit that I, I don't believe God was, was uh, giving him... Uh, scaring him with dreams here, but he thought that was the case. Look at Job 33. I think this verse is one of the key verses that gives us a bit more clarity to why we may dream. Yes, uh, some of us may get a dream at some point where God is directly interacting with us. I'm, I'm not going to discount that. Uh, it, it could happen. But I, but I think this passage, it's a statement that Elihu makes that gives us insight to how God may use dreams or uh, one of the reasons for uh, creating in humans the ability to, to dream. Uh, let's reflect on this. Job 33, verse 8. Job, uh, Elihu is, is getting after Job because Job uh, made some conclusions that he didn't think were right. And he was correct in that. Verse 8, Surely you've spoken in my hearing, Elihu says, and I've heard the sound of your words saying, Job saying, I am pure, I'm without transgression, I'm innocent, and there's no iniquity in me. Yet he, yet God, finds occasion against me. God counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks and he watches all my paths. Look, Job, in this you are not righteous. I'll answer you. For God is greater than man." Verse 13, why do you contend with him, Job? For he doesn't have to give an accounting of of any of his words. Notice this, for God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds. I think that's interesting. I think that's interesting that God sometimes works in that way. Notice for what purpose, and I think this comes to what, what I draw from this as I read this. He opened, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. In doing that, he keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. To turn me from a deed? that I was uh, maybe uh, considering doing or, or a deed that I had already done that I hadn't reflected upon. Maybe God uses that dream of the experiences that I had that day, the emotions, and, and different thing to, to help me see something that, wow, I really didn't handle that well. Uh, to, to conceal pride from a man, to help a person understand the pridefulness that could have taken place there and to come back from that. To keep me back from the pit, to keep me from perishing by the sword. I want to end, it wouldn't be be a dream sermon unless I told you uh, a couple of dreams. So I'm going to tell you some dreams. Uh, I had a dream 10 days ago, and uh, there was one of the administrators of the church was in a room beside me and was talking with several individuals, and I was in another room. And that individual, all of a sudden the door was open and that individual said very clearly, Andy Burnett is one of the two witnesses. And I looked and I freaked out. I, I, I lost, I just, the emotions were, and, and I'm still dreaming. The, the emotions are just really freaking me out. And then all of a sudden, you know, it gets to that point where all of a sudden I'm awake and I was troubled, I, I was troubled. Uh, was it a prophecy? Uh, no, but, but I, mean, I was very troubled by that. And here's another, a second dream. This one happened Thursday night. And this, this announced, this uh, dream came from the announcement of the Israel tour that Mr. Uh, Trey read today. I had read that, that had come out. I read that. And then also I watched about 40 minutes of a pickleball championship on on YouTube with a guy that was announcing that I know really well that I played pickleball with for years and now he announces the featured games at at these professional tournaments but uh, I was in this dream and uh, and of course I didn't know it was a dream but I was sitting we were wanting to play pickleball and I was with all these guys I play with that, that aren't in the church and uh, they're, they're showing this, this video before we go and play, and it's, the video is actually a promo from the church about the Israel tour. Uh, and uh, then this guy that I know, the, 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 guy, the, uh, the guy who uh, is, a, is a commentator for Pickleball, he comes over to me, Andy. Man, we've been, I've been so interested in, in such and such. And he mentions another guy I know well. He's been interested. We've been studying this whole thing about Israel for years and all the history and prophecy of Israel. And this is your church doing? We've we got to get together and talk about this. I was like, "What in the world?" Uh, and I'm thinking, these guys in real life—they struggle with with not cussing every other bad shot they make, and then say, "Sorry, Reverend," "Sorry, Reverend." And I said, "Don't call me Reverend," but you know, it's all, all that, that kind of thing. So you know, wake up from those you know those two dreams, and, and I put that together. You know, is is it is it a prophecy that I'm going to be one of the two witnesses? I think not. I think not. But. Uh, what freaked me out and what I realized with both of those, those dreams was that uh, the lesson for me, and I, and I really believe this, I think that God used those, those dreams to help me realize uh, sometimes the, the degree to which I need to be all in. Uh, not, not that if I were one of the two witnesses that uh, the, da- the realize the danger of, of ultimately that I'm going to be dead for three and a half days lying in the streets and everybody's going to be uh, uh, clapping their hands and, and making joyful music. Uh, that, that, that's not the issue, but the, the thought of, of being in, in that position to represent God, to represent Jesus Christ, in such a way that the whole world sees the the, the realization that I uh, am I could I do that could, could I have the the trust and the faith and the assurance that God could uh, could could work through me to do that am, am I all in to where. My whole life is centered on this way of life, on what is truly important, on, on the realization that Jesus Christ is coming and we are part of that government. And that is our, our focus. We, we've got responsibilities in this life. We understand that. But that is my focus to where if that were called upon me. Would I be willing to do that? How do I live my life now? Do I live my life now with that kind of focus on this is this is who God is and this is who this this what this way of life represents and am I all in? And then secondly, the 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 dream with these these pickleball guys. Do, do I really think on the fact that we are lights to the world, that am I ready to talk about God's way? Am I ready to openly talk about the joy and the, the, the wonder in this incredible calling and the truths of God? And, and realization with both of those dreams that, that it might not be received favorably if they if they ask that. And am I okay with that? Am I okay with that as, as I represent God in my day in and day out life? Uh, my dreams in my sleeping hours uh, cause me to examine myself in my waking hours. Let's end with a caveat in Ecclesiastes 5, to put dreams into perspective again. Dreams are a factor. I, I think they're a factor because, again, we're, we dream. We dream. And, and I, think, I think it's short-sighted of us to say that dreams mean nothing. There's, there's no purpose to anything in that. I, I think it's short-sighted. I, God, God has us here, and he, he has us go through things for a reason, and dreaming is one of them. I think it's also dangerous to put too much into a dream with respect to what we said already of, of face-to-face. The face-to-face, the waking hours, the interacting with God in His house is critical. And, and Ecclesiastes 5 speaks to that. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God. We dwell in the house of God now as, as, his, as his people. Do we walk prudently? Draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they don't know that they do evil. Don't be rash with your mouth. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity. And a fool's voice is known by as many words. Let's drop down to verse 6. Therefore, uh, not therefore, but do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God, Oh, it was an error speaking of uh, vows uh, in the previous verses. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? Finally, verse seven: For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. You know that there, there is there. The temporary nature of that vanity, do we, do we always understand everything perfectly? No. Uh, and some get so much into that 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 becomes their own reality of trying to interpret dreams. That, that's, not, that's, that's a danger as well, for in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. But what's the bottom line? We dwell in God's house in our waking. And in our sleeping hours, we dwell in God's house. May we walk prudently before God. And at the end of verse 7, he says the key, but fear God.